Welcome to the Women Shifting Gears podcast driven by Hemmings. This is your home for inspiring conversations with women leading the way throughout the automotive spaces. I'm your host, Amanda Busick, and the power of this podcast is in the strength of this community. We believe that high tides rise all ships into each of you collaborating together to steer this ship forward. We see you, we recognize you, and we salute you. It's time to set sail. Another episode of Women Shifting Gears starts now. As the Chief Experience Officer at Speedway Motorsports, Jessica Fickenshire leads the delivery of first-class event experiences to fans at some of the most premier NASCAR and motorsport facilities in the country. Celebrating her 25th year at SMI, Jessica joins us on her day-to-day responsibilities, which are never the same, being innovative and adaptive in real time to the ever-evolving changes in the industry and the support of her coworkers that are more like family. Your Women Shifting Gears podcast is driven by Hemmings. On this week's Women Shifting Gears podcast, driven by Hemmings, the Chief Experience Officer at Speedway Motorsports joins us. Welcome in to Jessica Fickenshire. And Jessica, you're going to be in your 25th year at Speedway Motorsports this year. When you look back over your tenure in one company, which I want to dive into (laughs) as well, but what's been the most rewarding part of this job for you? Oh, gosh, that's so hard to say. I feel like there's been so many turns that have been rewarding, so many days that have been rewarding. I, I think that the biggest thing for me is probably the people I work with. You know, you mentioned I, I've been here for 25 years, and I'd say about 75% of those folks I've been with for 25 years. So just to grow together and really accomplish some really awesome things over those those couple decades has just been probably the most rewarding. There's obviously title changes and things like that that happen under the development of a professional career for someone. But when you look over those 25 years, do you see them in phases for yourself? It's That's a great question. Um, some days I do and some days I don't. Some days I, I definitely kind of, maybe when I'm mentoring somebody, I kind of, those phases kind of kind of come up and, and come to my memory. But um, some days I kind of still feel like an intern sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Would you say that that's just the nature of the, when you look at motorsports and you look at the events side of businesses, it's just ever evolving. I think we've all experienced that, especially over the last two years. When you have to mm-hmm. adapt quickly, does that keep it fresh. Absolutely. And and to your point, you know, the last two years have been so fluid and every, and you say every day things were changing. There was, there was times in the beginning when we were trying to get back into TV and back on the track and and those changes were coming every hour. It felt like at times. When you think of, uh, I mean, again, uh, no one can predict uh, what happened over over the last two years, but when you look at your experience at such and your professional development at that time, could it have happened at a better time for you in your career to be able to handle that fluidity? I don't think so. You know, and and again, to back to the folks that I've worked with and even the folks at NASCAR, you know, I, I'm really proud to say that the motorsports was the first sports to be back. I mean, not in, like back, you know, on iRacing, on TV, that was just unheard of, you know, back to racing without fans. We were the first sport to have fans. So it was just really a challenging time, but a very, very exciting time as well. When you think of all the conversations that have to go on between people from the tracks to the drivers to the league, why do you think NASCAR was such first rate in those decisions? They were very bullish. They knew we could do it. They knew nothing was going to stop us. They knew we had great partners with our TV broadcasters, great partners with the tracks. The drivers wanted to be back and our fans wanted us. And we knew we had to stay relevant and be first of mind. And I think we 
actually gained a lot of fans in that time because there was nothing else on TV. So I, I think it really captured the whole world, I think, at, you know, during those um, first few months. <laughs> what is a chief experience officer? So my main role is to make sure that the journey of the fan just happens with a smooth, you know, and it feels effortless to them that they just have the best experience from the time that they decide they want to come to a race and, you know, from leaving the race. So it's, you know, we, we do call it the journey of the fan. So it's the, the point of purchase from a ticket and, you know, the communication that we have with them and just making sure, you know, people um, have a lot of opportunities to spend their hard-earned money and for them to choose us is a big deal. And we want to make it a big deal for a lot of fans. We're also a bucket list item. So that's really important to us. And we want somebody going away feeling like it was worth every penny to them. And I would say a bucket list item across different uh, kind of disciplines of motorsports, from drag racing to NASCAR. Uh, when you look over the last uh, several years of events, from the dirt race at Bristol to the four wides at Las Vegas, are there certain touch points that, as a brand, you guys like to make sure at each track, or is do you approach everyone differently? We have like the same mindset that the, the experience has to be top notch, no matter where you are. It doesn't matter if you're at a dirt race at Bristol, or if you're going to Coda, or if you're going to Sonoma, you know, it does whatever racetrack you're going to, you know, you're at a Speedway Motorsports facility and you're going to have just the time of your life and be entertained. What do you think in terms of there's so many things behind the scenes that I don't think fans or people might realize that go into hosting a, a great event from the facilities to restrooms of all things? But what are some of the things that are top line when you guys uh, want to cater to the fan experience? I, I think our biggest things, and this kind of goes back to uh, to Bruton Smith. He's, you know, there's there's three T's. You know, we need to sell the tickets. We need to have you know traffic, you know, come in and out easily as possible, and we need to have enough toilets. So um, we kind of try to live by that. So just again, you know, that that whole fan journey and making sure that they're um, they've got clean restrooms, that the concession food is is good, and the lines aren't long, and they can get back to the action and get back to their seats. And also just kind of growing with the modern times as well, because, you know, we're competing with so many other sporting venues and entertainment venues. So just keeping that fan experience elevated at all times. Well, since you mentioned Bruton Smith, uh, I would call him a legend in our industry. <laughs> and when you think of being able to share alongside your career with a legend or such a force in the automotive and motorsports space, what's that been like for your career? Absolutely amazing. One of the highlights of my career was when Bruton got inducted into the Hall of Fame and the family asked me to handle everything from soup to nuts. And that was, it was very humbling. And I just remember I would sit in his living room and listen to him tell stories and go through pictures. And, and he is just such a visionary and just such a, an icon and a, and a legend in, in our sport. So to be able to be part of that and just to be with him on that journey was really, really special. And, you know, his son, Marcus, who, who I work for now, I mean, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree and he's done so much for the sport as well. And things that, that people told him he couldn't do, you know, the, the Roval, the dirt track at Bristol. I mean, I think we got laughed at a few times and, um, and, and they happened and it was his persistence and his vision and, and never giving up. All right. Well, take us back to 1997. You walk into your internship at Speedway Motorsports. What was that day like? Do you remember it? I do. I had to borrow a car from a friend because I was in college. <laughs> I didn't have a car. 
at college. So I had to borrow a car to, to be able to get here. And I just went to a, a small college down the road. And it's funny because there's days I, I, you know, I was very nervous, my butterflies in my stomach and my heart <laughs> fluttering. And there are days, 25 years later, I still feel like that coming into work. And I think that's why I keep doing what I do because it's, it's just every day's exciting. And I, I, I started here. It was, it was in January in 1997. And my last day as an intern was the Coca-Cola 600. And I think I cried all that day because I didn't want to leave. And lo and behold, I actually I then went on to PRN and I, I worked at PRN. I had a great opportunity to work for Benny Parsons for many years. And wow. that was super special. And I really, really miss him. And, and he was he was another icon in the sport. And then from that point, it was like around 2000, I started working for Marcus Smith. And just as he kind of moved along, I just kind of tagged along with him and, and you know, went up the ladder from there. In those early years of a career, what do you think can make you pretty much invaluable to a company? What recommendations would you give? Take every opportunity that that you can. And even if you're you're scared, let them know, you know, hey, I, I'm not really sure if I know how to do this, but I want a shot at it. If you find yourself not being very busy, I was always in somebody's office, like, do you have a project I can work on? What can I do? And that was, you know, during my internship days. And I and I think that's that's what got me a lot of exposure because, yeah, we yeah, sure go do this. And I would just meet a ton of people, but just take every opportunity you can. And people know that not everybody's going to succeed and there's going to be challenges. So, you know, and people have the best intentions and they want to see you succeed. So you just have to trust that and, and not be too hard on yourself. We'll be right back after a quick pause from our Women Shifting Gears, driven by Hemming's podcast to hear from our sponsor, Covercraft. At Covercraft, they understand it's not just a car, it's tradition. Passed from generation to generation. That's why for over 50 years, they've dedicated themselves to protecting the things that move you. They understand that the things they help you protect are the things that help you pursue your passions. And their passion is for finding the best ways for you to focus on yours without worrying about anything else. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. What does a day in the life of Jessica Fickenshire look like? Gosh, it depends what day, but um, a normal day, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty early riser. I'm a, a 4.30, 5 o'clock kind of person. And I, I, I like my time to myself. You know, that's kind of my time. And, you know, I work out and spend time with my my dog and get my my one son off to school. I do have a, a son who's a sophomore in high school up in New Hampshire because he plays hockey. So he, he's away up there. Can't really do that in the South <laughs> at a competitive level. And then it just depends. Every day is so different. I do travel a lot too. So, you know, there's days we're going out to our different facilities. I am very hands-on with our development team. So when we're building things and we're constantly building things, <laughs> I feel like. So you know, lots of visits to our tracks. And then once the racing season starts, you know, I go to all of our events and then some days I'll, I'll spend over at the shop at us legend. So it's just, every day is different. I, and that's probably another big part of what, you know, why I love what I do. Well, I imagine right now as we're just weeks away from kicking off a brand new racing season across all disciplines of motorsports, (laughs) as I was saying earlier, where are you guys at in the planning of the season right now? Gosh, I, I would say we're probably halfway into our season of planning. Like we, we know what we're doing for the first half already, you know, as far as what the fans are going to experience, what the schedule is, what concerts we're going to have. We're there. And, I, and even though six months ahead, I still feel like we're a little behind. <laughs> you know, there's just so much to do. Have you noticed an evolution in kind of fan desires over the last couple years or? Yes, because everybody has 
phones. Everybody wants something so instant. So I think from that standpoint, we definitely have to be really on our game with Wi-Fi and just that, that instant gratification and push notifications on your phone and, and all, all of the technology that goes along with that. Are there other ways that you guys look to like uniquely host events or have independent kind of experiences at the track on non-race weekends? Absolutely. So we definitely look at our venues as event facilities and entertainment facilities, not just racing facilities. Our track, Las Vegas Motor Speedway, actually holds the, I think it's the world's largest concert. Over three days, we'll have over 300,000 people for a festival called the EDC Festival, which is like an electric music kind of festival. They, it starts at 10 at night and goes to like six in the morning. So I, I lasted like one hour one time and it was quite the spectacle, but it was pretty awesome. So we've got these beautiful modern facilities and we definitely don't want them sitting around when there's not a race here. So we just, you know, the, the Bristol football game, for example, the battle at Bristol. So we're definitely always trying to be innovative and get folks out to our place. I'm pretty sure the NHRA arrived into Las Vegas on the back end of one of those concerts. And there, the thing that was most impressive to me was the house, the little tent housing yes. were on the, in the parking lots, like thousands, thousands of them. How does, how do you even plan for an event like it, that? It is a, it takes a, literally an army. Uh, um, you're absolutely right. The NHRA event, it comes in the week after EDC and we probably spend or send about 40 of our folks across all of our properties out there to pull pins out of the ground from where the tents were so that when NHRA rolls in, it's ready to go. It was like something I had never seen before. It's, that was incredible. Yes. <laughs> when you look in your career on a whole and, and you know, as uh, we go into our careers, uh, a lot of times we have people that have kind of taken us under their wing or have mentored us. Is there someone that you point to that's really been a trailblazer for you? Gosh, there's been so many people, so many people. Some of them actually have been on your podcast. Yeah, there's there's been so many people. I guess my my biggest champion has always been Marcus Smith, though. I think he's always I've always been that that kind of person. Well, let me work on that, or let me handle that, or you know, with like U.S. Legends is a great example. I uh, I was fascinated by it, and I said I want to go over there and just see what they do, and kind of you know, nose around. And then when I went over there, I fell in love with it. And I said, can I run that place? Like, I really want to be involved. And he said, yeah, sure. Okay, go do it. So he's always um, supported me in what I wanted to do, not only just from a career standpoint, but he's a very big family man and he lets me be a mom as well. So I've got a, I feel like it's a great balance. When you look over uh, the motorsports landscape, it's not common that women are in executive roles. Is that a source of pride for you? It is. It is. It definitely is. And again, I, there's been a lot of people on your show that have helped me get there too. So it's definitely takes a village, but I am proud of it. Did you have any hesitations about growth or was there anything that internally held you back? No, not at all. I was always itching, itching to do the next thing, itching to, to do something bigger. Innately that confidence, where do you think it comes from? I think it could be, it comes from my coworkers. I've never felt in a boardroom with sitting around with a bunch of men that I needed to be silenced. I think I've always felt very supported. My opinion was always seek. So I, I definitely feel like it comes from my coworkers. They've always been such great um, supporters of me. If I read correctly, you grew up in New Jersey and ended up at Belmont Abbey in Charlotte. What led you there? I did. So my dad went there, my uncle went there, my sister went there. So I, um, I went down to visit my sister when she was there and it was a 
pretty big party school at the time. And I was like, I think I can, <laughs> I like this. So besides the legacy portion, um, sure. I, I ended up there. I, I went to a very small Catholic high school and it's a small Catholic college. So it, it was a, in my comfort zone. So what did you call your parents and tell them you weren't moving back? Oh, I think they knew it the day they dropped me off. <laughs> they followed shortly behind, you know, 10 years later. So do you think there was a moment uh, in your childhood or uh, maybe towards high school that would have led you to a career in this field? You know, I, it really came about, I think, the day that my internship started. I um, I was a sports management major. It was Belmont Abbey actually has a great motorsports program now, but it, I I wasn't there at that point in time. The Carolina Panthers weren't even here yet. And they said, you have to go do an internship in sports. And somebody said, oh, you should go check out the Speedway. And the day I walked in, I said, this is this is it. This is what I want to do. And this is where I want to be. And I never changed my mind since then. I never had any second guesses. Like this, this was it. In 2020, you were inducted into the class of Women in Business Achievements Awards by the Charlotte Business Journal. What was the moment like when you received that news? It was very humbling. I was I was very surprised because there's just so many. I mean, Charlotte's such a big city and and, and an amazing city with an amazing um, workforce of women. So it, it was it was humbling, and I was I was very surprised and very proud of myself too. When you look at uh, Charlotte, as you said, it's such a hub for motorsports. Uh, how do you connect and and find women in the space that you guys get to collaborate with? I am very big into networking. I think it's very important for women to get involved. I think everything that Cindy does, you know, with women shifting gears and the podcast, I think, you know, I try to push that out to all the females I know to listen, get involved. There's a group called Wise Women in Sports and Entertainment. I'm a very big proponent of that. And I try to try to mentor folks in, in that space as well. But I, I try to do as many networking things as I can and make sure that the females that work for me kind of see me in those roles. When you look at the next generation of women that are coming into these roles, whether they're starting uh, in assistant roles or production assistants and things like that, what piece of advice do you think is critical in having a, a, a space in this industry? I think it's very important just to take chances and don't second guess yourself. I know everybody says that, <laughs> but it is. It's I think we can we're our own harshest critics and you know, I think give yourself some grace and ask questions. Don't be afraid. I, I think there's many people in my role, female or male, that love to give their advice. You know, we we think we've got a lot of advice. So if somebody's gonna come to you, offer anything you can give them. And and I encourage those, those young people just seek out any opportunities that they can and don't let anything hold them back. In addition to looking over the racetracks and that part of the job, you also tend to the capital improvements, property development projects, but there are some that are uh, more on the philanthropy side. And uh, tell us about Speedway Charities. So Speedway Children's Charities was started over 40 years ago by Bruton Smith. They had lost a child. And then after that, his mission was to just help children in need and critical need. So we have a chapter at all of our speedways. And since inception, we've been able to raise $60 million for kids in need. I'm very hands-on with it. So when we go out and we visit the places that we give money to and you see these kids, you know, we, we make sure that every dollar we're raising goes back to that, you know, back to that community. I would imagine because I've seen drivers over the years be a part of these events. What are the reactions of the kids when they see some of their heroes? Oh, it's 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 priceless. I mean, just the look in their eyes, the awe. They they can't, you know, it's 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 seeing their heroes. That you know, sometimes it's it's just it's it's sweet. You know, I think we take things for granted all the time, and when you see the look on their faces and see the look in their eyes, it it really kind of brings you like this. This is what our purpose is. 
And then uh, another thing on your to-do list, the NX, which I absolutely love yes. this name. What is that? NX. So so U.S. Legends Cars is, the best way to describe it is the feeder, a feeder system. So you've got, you know, go-karts, you got U.S. Legends Cars, Bandoleros, you know, and then quarter midgets and that kind of thing. So it's a great feeder system. Uh, we usually say about 60% of the NASCAR drivers have come up through our program. So it's a pop warner of, of racing is the <laughs> easiest way to put it. And NX is the sanctioning body. And NX stands for inexpensive. <laughs> so we want to make it affordable. You know, travel sports alone are expensive, let alone racing. So our goal is to have affordable racing, family-friendly, safe. We've got over 2,000 NX members all over the world. We race almost on every single continent. Wow. It's very exciting. I think when you look at the barriers of entry that can be in motorsports, when it comes to just the cost and needing sponsorships, how did this idea of the U.S. Legends and uh, the sanctioning body with the NX, how did that come about? That was you know, Bruton Smith wanting to to see kids get into the sports, like into the sport. You know, how are we going to grow our next round of up and coming drivers? You know, so that's Kurt and Kyle Busch, uh, William Byron, Bubba Wallace, you know, all, all these guys came up, you know, racing in the in their local backyard tracks uh, in our cars and look where they are now. So I love that you mentioned the importance of being a mother earlier and, and how you're luckily with a company that respects and, and promotes that connection with your children. Uh, when you look at the balance that it takes from career woman to mother, I imagine there are moments that you feel guilty and there are things that you miss out on. How do you handle that? It's hard. Some days I don't handle it as well. And, so, you know, and I think the biggest thing is having my husband or your partner that's that's in it with you 100 percent. He probably picks up my son more than I do from school. And, you know, it's I think having that support is probably the, the biggest thing. How do you be easy on yourself in those decisions? You know, I think I've learned it through the years. I was really hard on myself when they were younger. And I think you just kind of grow and, you know, and, and I'm happy. I think that the day that I'm not happy what I'm doing, then I'll be a stay-at-home mom. But I just, I love what I do. So it makes it easy. My one son who is home, he loves racing. So he's at the track with me all the time. He goes to races with me all the time. So that really helps. I never am away from him for, for too many days. <laughs> And for you, what is it like for you that your boys get to see their mom, a female, in a leadership role in this sport? I love it. I um, I know like everybody who's got girls, you want to see your mom in a power role, but I love having boys see me in that role because they know this is the norm. So when they go out and they meet somebody who is successful, that's that's the norm. That's that's what women do. So you said that you ended up uh, meeting your husband yep. through work. How did you guys connect? Uh, he actually works for PRN. So yeah, so he was in sales and we, yeah, we just met at work on the, on the same floor. And <laughs> what is his support meant to you in your career? Oh, it's been amazing. I definitely without him, I would not be where I am. I would not be able to be the mother I am. I would not be able to be the career woman I am. It's you know, He's my best friend. It's been, he's been absolutely amazing. Well, as you've uh, hit your 25-year mark in your professional career, are you content? No. <laughs> okay. I don't think anybody is. I mean, I'm definitely happy, but we've got so many things in our future at Speedway Motorsports that we're working on that I'm so excited to be part of. And I mean, our company keeps growing and growing. We just added two new tracks to our portfolio. So I mean, I feel like the possibilities here are absolutely endless. What are some of those short-term kind of goals or things that you guys are working on that you can share with us? So short-term, you know, I think, so North Wilkesboro, we, we're going to resurrect that 
that speedway and get racing back there. The community has been absolutely amazing and they're just, they're dying to have racing back there. So we're really excited. And, you know, we're, we're working really hard in Nashville with the fairgrounds to, to do something. So I, I, I definitely love the grassroots portion of it. I think it's, it's fun. It's exciting. It's great to see the race fans kind of be reinvigorated of having racing back in their hometowns. When you talk about the fan and you talk about your customer, what is key to how you kind of connect with them? Listen to them. We do a lot of fan surveys. I mean, if a fan calls, if a fan comes in through our doors, we listen to them. I mean, that's the biggest thing. I mean, that, that's that's who we have to listen to. Nothing against the drivers or nothing against the sponsors. You know, we do have to listen to them too. But but the fans are, are in my opinion, our, our biggest resource to getting better. Well, thank you, Jessica, for joining us here on the Women Shifting Gears podcast driven by Hemmings. It is time for the hot lap. So you are headed on a road trip. Where are you headed? I love Disney. Can I go to Disney? You can go to Disney. <laughs> That, that you're okay. never, no one is ever too too cool for Disney in my book. I love Disney. All right. So you're driving in the left seat. What are you driving? Oh, gosh. Okay. I'm a big Sophia Loren fan. And she had, um, when I think one of her most iconic cars was a 1955 Mercedes-Benz 300 Ooh. SL. And ever since I was little, I just thought that was the coolest car. I'm so, pretty sure it was a convertible, right? It, yes. So that that would I be my exact car you're talking about. And yeah. um, I mean, I want to be your passenger <laughs> on this uh, convertible Mercedes trip to Disney, but who's in the right seat? Oh, gosh. No offense to my husband or kids, but it'd probably be the love of my life, my dog, my golden retriever. <laughs> oh, what's his name? Her name. It's a him. He's Reagan. He loves car rides. So I, I, I would have to take him. <laughs> <laughs> I think he deserves it. <laughs> And well, I mean, gosh, I guess we'll have to have some uh, snacks for Reagan on the road as well. But what road <laughs> snacks are for the driver? Oh, gosh, anything salty. Uh, anything salty. And what's what playing on the radio? I'm a podcast person. And I'm not right. just saying that. I'm a podcast person. Yeah, anything about business, anything like, like self-help. But then my right. my kind of escape is anything true crime. <laughs> oh, girl, I was, yes. <laughs> I uh, I don't know why we like that so much. I have no idea, but women love true crime, and it scares my husband a little. But <laughs> I, I appreciate that you mentioned the podcast. And uh, is there certain ones that uh, from a self help side or that uh, you've really kind of tuned into that that you find you apply in your daily life? You know, I absolutely love. I love your podcast. I listen. To, I, I'm all caught up. You know, I, I listen to it at, every time. It, a new one comes out. I do love coaching for leaders. It, one of the Megan, one of the hosts on it. She's a working mom too, so she just gives some some good sound advice. Um, there's just so many out there that I love. Well, as you uh, look at the next 25 years of your career, what do you hope to achieve in the near term? Oh gosh, you know, just making the fan experience the best. I mean, I just I want people to walk away wanting to come back. Um, and maybe not you know, not to a Speedway Motorsports track, but to any any track. I want them to fall in love with motorsports. That, that that would be my biggest thing from the chief executive side, from a U.S. legend side. I'd really love to see more girls get involved. And we have a ton of girls right now. Like we're, I think we're one of the most diverse forms of racing. But the more we can get, I love it. I love it when a girl takes off a helmet and they didn't know, there, you know, there was a girl under that helmet. <laughs> well, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but from what I've garnered from this conversation and the support that you've received at SMI, you started your career at SMI. Imagine you might close it out there as well. How satisfying is that knowing that you have spent your entire career within this company? Uh, unbelievable. Unbelievable. That that would probably be my main goal is, is you know, when I'm ready to, to hang up my hat and turn in my badge, I'll walk out those same doors I walked in. 
Thank you, Jessica. It's a pleasure having you on the Women Shifting Gears podcast driven by Hemmings. Thank you for listening to the Women Shifting Gears podcast driven by Hemmings. Hemmings, your marketplace for the car collector enthusiast since 1954. This podcast is produced by GS Events.